You know, I've been thinking a lot about subscriptions lately, and, and when you think about it, if you don't watch it, they can uh, really add up. I remember uh, subscribing a lot uh, as a kid. Well, not a lot, I guess, to a few things. A few, couple of comic books, for instance. Our family subscribed to Life Magazine. That's how we got the news, along with, a, I think we got a daily paper, the daily local paper, the Ben Bulletin. Uh, hey, this is Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for the 19th of October, 2020. Here in the U.S., just a couple of weeks till Election Day. Uh, get your ballot in. This is my ballot right here. I won't show you the thing, but... Well, actually, I will show you the ballot. Um, this goes in later, today or, or early in the week. And I'm going to hand deliver it. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. And you can find me at tradeshowguy.net. A lot of stuff there. Jump to the blog there. Jump to the company site, tradeshowguyexhibits.com. Jump to the book sites. It's all right there. And as well as the uh, the, the newest and most recent uh, versions of this podcast and video are also uh, embedded there as well. So so subscriptions. Uh, back to subscriptions. You know, I got to thinking about how many subscriptions we have. The, the model has really exploded, I think, in the last five, six, seven years. Uh, Microsoft moved from selling software like buying Microsoft Office. I think you can still buy it, but with a subscription model, I pay like 99 bucks a year and I think five people in the house and a couple of friends, my kids can use it if want if, if they want. And you always get the updates. They update it every now and then, so you're paying for the updates. And I, I kind of understand that. Uh, Hootsuite, I think I subscribed to that $5.99 a month for you know handling social media and things like that. Uh, of course, I subscribe to a, a service. I use a service. It's a yearly price for AWeber for all the newsletters and stuff. Uh, of course, we subscribe to a few other things personally. Um, Netflix, uh, twelve ninety nine a month. That price has gone up. I remember the days when it was seven ninety nine a month for uh, two DVDs. You know, you can keep them as long as you want. No late fees. Just send them back and get new ones whenever. Um, whatever was on your queue. New York Times, $15 a month. I'm I like that for a lot of reasons. I'm kind of torn. I think it's a little high, but I think it's good good source. Um, and I was got to thinking when the pandemic hit, uh, and we all saw that income would be impacted. We didn't really know exactly how much, how soon. Uh, I went through and actually canceled a, a handful of things that uh, I no longer subscribe to. But here's the thing about subscriptions: Do you, do you subscribe to stuff? Do you ever think about how many you have that you don't even use, and it just keeps dinging your credit card every month, and then you go, "Oh yeah, I got I got to cancel that." Yeah. Uh, I actually pay five bucks a month, and it hits my credit card every month for uh, Wikipedia. That's a that's a, a nonprofit charitable contribution. I'm happy to do that because I use Wikipedia all the time. Uh, what's another one? Uh, oh, there's a local uh, outlet here called SalemReporter.com. They do a great job of covering local news, and it's uh, started by a guy. It's only digital, and it's like ten bucks a month. And I'm gonna yeah, I'll, I'll do them for a while. So so anyway, there's a few in there, but I've let a lot of a lot of subscriptions go. Maybe it's a good time to go through and get rid of the ones you don't need. But as a business model, what do you think? Is that is that a good one? I noticed that Microsoft went to the, of course, the subscription thing. Uh, Adobe did in the last few years. Used to be able to buy their software. I don't even think you can buy their software like uh, Photoshop or InDesign or Adobe Audition. And I was looking at, uh, with the, the new Mac I got here last year, what should I do for audio production? I've been using Adobe Audition for years. It's a great little program, but the only way you can get it now is to subscribe. And the only way you can subscribe is to get that particular level of subscription. It's like 21 bucks a month. And I did the math. Okay, 21 bucks a month. I can buy Logic Pro X 
from Apple, one price only, all updates, whenever. And I own that. I can use it as long as I want instead of paying 21 bucks a month just for the access to Adobe Edition. So that was a pretty uh, no-brainer. As far as Photoshop, I stopped using that. I found a program like for 35 or 40 bucks called Photoscape X, which I highly recommend. All right, this week on the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, I snared an interview. We've talked to uh, Anders before, Anders Boulanger of the Infotainers, the company Engageify, uh, just to catch up what they're doing with uh, his team and all the shows they used to do in person, a lot of trade shows. They're not doing much of that anymore, of course, because trade shows aren't happening. So what are they doing? Uh, Anders is a, is a sharp young guy. Uh, I say young because he's probably half my age. <laughs> Uh, but it's always fun to talk to him, and here's how that conversation went. Hey, I want to welcome Anders Boulanger to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, uh, an infotainer, but I understand you've changed that a little bit. Uh, Anders, good to see you. How are you doing? It's been a while. Good. Thanks for having me back, Tim. Yeah, yeah. since last uh, on your podcast, uh, the, the company was called The Info, <laughs> and we've now rebranded uh, to Engageify. So we're helping companies make their people and their events more engaging. So uh, we still have uh, infotainers to work trade show booths and generate crowds and, and leads and everything um, when that returns. But for now, we've kind of broadened out our ability to help companies, you know, virtual events and also uh, certain trainings that we're, we're offering, engagement training. So, so, so I know that, yeah, that, that's cool to hear that you're, you're, you're doing that. And, and I would remember one of the last times we either chatted or exchanged emails or something. I see you posted something on one of your social media outlets. You'd moved into a new building. Uh, pretty excited about that, as I recall. I, I don't remember the exact date of that. Was that right on the cusp of the whole uh, COVID thing, or, or, or was that uh, right after that? I forget. About a year before. So we've been- so It's been a while, okay. For a little bit, but yeah, it was, you know, we, we moved here to uh, have some more space, and kind of now we, have, now we use it really as studio space, really. So how has that impacted you, the, the whole pandemic? Uh, obviously, you guys do a lot of live events. Uh, have you made a good shift to doing virtual things, or has it been a struggle? Uh, how are your clientele? I'm just curious to get your take on, on uh, what yeah. it took to do whatever you're doing now. Right. Well, we were like 90% trade shows, right? So we were doing um, – and so we were really on the tip of the spear, uh, as you were too, anyone okay. in trade saw it coming a little bit before everyone else, right? And so with everything going by the wayside, we knew you know, like as a company, we wanted to shift to more of an engagement company in the first place. So this was now gave us the time and the bandwidth to do that. We were actually too busy to consider <laughs> <laughs> making that shift. Um, and so, you know, you, you careful as you wish for. Um, but we made that shift to, to Engageify, which we really like from a, a point of view of, where the infotainers was kind of about, it's all about us. We'll stand there in your booth and, you know, bring in the crowds to let us help make the company more engaging, the offering, the, you know, the, the people, the everything that you're doing. And so we've taken the learnings of, of, of what we've done for years on the trade show floor, stopping passersby and making them want to watch and engage with our presentations and learn about the company and the brand. And then we've kind of codified that and then, and well, helped companies and coach companies on, on how to do that for themselves. So now it's more about virtual engagement is the relevant piece that we're kind of talking about. Now we're talking on, on zoom right now. So you kind of get a sense of, you know, we've got a good camera, good sound good background. There's the kind of the baseline kind of stuff like first do no harm, 
because there's the people with the virtual backgrounds that look annoying. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of uh, bad camera angles, things like that. that you know, we can Poor lighting, make. you know, bad sound. It's all, I've seen it all. <laughs> and then on top of that, layer in a sense of performance in, in online meetings. Uh, the idea that if we just sit there and turn our camera on, going from our desk work to actual meeting, we're going to come off flat. Uh, the fact that there's so much to choose from, or just, I mean, the bar is set so high in terms of stimulation on a device like your computer that people tune out, right? People might be checking some notification on LinkedIn or Facebook in the middle of your meeting. You don't have that same connection that you would have uh, when you were right across from that person. So, so we need to up our game in terms of how we come across. And so whether that's, you know, how you perform that, how your technology and gear is, and then the content itself. What is the structure of what you're doing so that you can um, keep people wanting more? You know? well, so, well, let's talk about the content because I'm curious how you approach that. I've, I've seen a number of different ways of doing it. Uh, some companies that I've talked to that provide it, uh, you know, kind of can it all up, uh, but make it in short little like two and three or five minute or 10 minute snippets or, or whatever you want to call that so that you're switching gears very frequently. You're, you're kind of keeping people engaged. Others are doing some live stuff. Uh, others are doing music, you know, uh, yeah. mock videos types of things. I'm curious where you guys land on that. What, what, what are your, what are your, I guess your, what's in your wheelhouse for those types of things? Well, I think in terms of us training salespeople to have high impact online meetings, you want to have the dynamics and the contrast at your fingertips, being able to shift and move. So um, we talk about, you know, when you're sharing a slide, being able to do that, going in and out. Like, I mean, again, this is a podcast and not a, a Zoomcast so much, but depending if you show video, um, you know, if we wanted to uh, share a screen and start talking about a process um, without having to be so cumbersome about it, because a lot of people have to click and go, okay, can you see my screen? Can you do this? We have ways of teaching companies to do the streamline, whether or not you want right. to go off you know, your setup and be able to do camera angles and shifts and different things like that. So we have a, a variety of tools in our toolbox, but the piece is that people pay, pay attention to change, right? Things that's, that are, are happening. So whether it's a camera angle, different picture, an animation, movement, of course, we know that uh, science and, and kind of the neuroscience of engagement tells us that the number one uh, visually stimulating object, uh, 3D object moving through space, is the human face. So the <laughs> fact that we have our cameras on is a good thing, uh, Tim, because that's some of the, um, sometimes these salespeople have a meeting and people just don't want to turn their camera on, which it makes it tough for communication and, and taking advantage of that. So. The companies out there doing, you know, virtual events, I think the more they mix it up, the better it is in terms of creating engagement. Yeah. So when you say virtual events, are you doing like a one hour thing for a company? Or are you doing a thing that's uh, several hours long for a day and you're a part of it? Uh, I've, I've just seen so many different models of that uh, because organizers that do shows that have a lot of attendees, uh, exhibitors, even maybe even virtual exhibits certainly have to bring a lot more than just a single company that's doing something for either their clientele or their employees or salespeople or whatever. There's different focuses on that. Is there one direction you go versus another when, when it comes to those types of things? Well, we're, we're really trying to work with our clients to provide what they need. So we've kind of have that flexibility um, just to kind of give you an example of, of kind of what's happening. We've uh, emceed uh, a two day, eight hour a day virtual events, which, 
in my opinion, was way too long. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's like we're helping. So in the virtual MC piece, you know, to, to have someone to kind of bring the energy back up after speakers have that through line, we would also do the same sort of customized infotainment you would do at a trade show. So we might underline some point a speaker made with a magic trick, which is just visually interesting and, and compelling on its own so that uh, you're keeping your uh, viewers that are spending a good part of their day with you, uh, you know, paying attention and, and deepening that connection to, to what to the material. And then uh, we've emceed a webinar, which is just like an hour long, you know, and the same kind of thing. We're just kind of being that, that through line to bring the energy up. And then on the virtual trade show side of things, um, we've done um, actually, I guess I should say a virtual trade show booth. One of our clients made a standalone website that they've mm. made as their booth and the company's Veeam software and I've worked in their booth for 10 years. And so what's so cool is their trade show booth company made an exact digital replica of their booth. So right. um, you can see it. It's exactly how it is. Um, they took a picture of me. I'm standing there wearing my green tie. You know, I'm there too, just like the people who would expect to see me there because of, you know, the tradition of being there at, the, at these shows for the last so many years. And so they can click on the mountain, go to the marketing counter, get the downloadable assets, enter into a draw, you know, get their free t-shirt. It will be shipped to them, right? So they're, they're really nearing the, the same, uh, you know, experience they would have live. And then they can click on me and then I'm going to be doing a message integrated presentation, which is only probably a minute and a half long or something, but talking about uh, Veeam and whatever, whatever, you know, uh, company show we're at, the integration, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's VMware, or what have you. So they really didn't mirror that. So I'm also kind of the um, uh, voiceover kind of thing, or I appear in the corner as they do a flyby of the booth. So you can say, welcome to the Veeam booth. Here you're going to be able to interact with customer success stories, demos, et cetera. So that's kind of what I've been working with, with them on. Uh, then we have other clients who uh, we've been doing their training for the live trade show of trainings, right? Like how to work a booth. And they came to us and said, do you have a training for working, you know, a virtual? virtual. <laughs> and I was kind of like, wait a second. Okay. Uh, well, how do we do this? <laughs> okay. So, you know, I, and I did have to kind of go into that a little bit. Like I, when it first started happening, I started doing secret shopping, just going to these virtual trade shows to see what is this all about? Like, I got to understand this. And what was interesting was a lot of the same issues from a live trade show are also present. That the booths open and there's people there and you sit around and you're waiting for someone to engage you, right? To say, hey, what's up? Or you ask a question and no one answers. And then you're like, okay, I'm out of here. You go to another booth, right? And it's the same thing of people ignoring the people who walk by the booth and may have had a question and stopped and no one bothered to, to ask them, you know, what they, how they Interesting, yeah. So, so there was that. And then the other piece too was to differentiate those booths in these platforms. There's not a lot you can do, right? Because it's plug and play in the, 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 the booths might all look a little different, but basically it's just going to have a different logo on it. You click in it and it's the same standard little people standing around. Uh, so the idea of actually differentiating yourself using that video to be able to really show off who you are and, and make that compelling. Uh, is critical because there's not a lot you can do to be different. So yeah, and that, I, I've seen different platforms. Some uh, some show organizers allow you to include a link to to your own 
uh, server, basically your own platform that serves the entire uh, experience. Others, it's you're like you say, it's a template. You just drop your logo and, and a few things in there. So there's different ways of looking at that. But you you know you, you raise some interesting questions about it. I'm just curious if you've done it enough with your clients and and they've done enough shows to to learn how the engagement is. Uh, uh, you know, I, I talked to someone just recently on the podcast who said that they had done a uh, a, a virtual trade show and and they hit it out of the park. They, their, their leads increased like six or 700%, which was interesting to me for a fraction of the cost. I'm just curious what kind of things you're hearing from clientele about that, or is there enough data for you to really even share at this point? You know what? I, I, it's all kind of hearsay for, from my point of view. So I can't get you to give you, you know, like industry stats or anything. Sure. From my little research, because when we work with companies in a live in person show, we would roughly know their, their cost per lead you know, this kind of thing, what they would expect. So I know the cost per lead is way down. So it's, it's easier to kind of get an ROI out of it, I believe. Right. Um, and some of the attendance of these shows is pretty insane for the virtual attendance. So, um, but I'm not exactly sure. Like I think the shows that I talked to, they might've had maybe 30 exhibitors, 40 exhibitors. So it wasn't like big, yeah. you did CES virtually, right? <laughs> There's like 2,000, I don't know, probably more than that, you know, probably 5,000 yeah. <laughs> of, of, of exhibitors. How, you know, what are the chances that you get clicked on? But from the platforms we did, uh, we've seen, they're getting smarter and smarter about having kind of more metadata with the exhibitors, right? Being able to list so that if people want to look are in the market, which is this product interest piece to it, right? that now there's a grouping of booths they need to visit as opposed to wandering through a show where everyone is, sometimes they group them in, in certain areas, right? right. Um, you know, making them more searchable in terms of almost like a search engine for the platform, right? Um, and then from the exhibitor side of things, it's fascinating to see what people have looked at, right? right. They're going to know what they've downloaded, what they've clicked on, where they hung out, because sometimes people are a little cheeky with, uh, you know, or, or they're kind of coy with what they're really about, right? And you might talk to them, but their actions are going to kind of speak louder than words in a, in a sense from the, from the data that you have from your virtual visitors. So, so there's some fascinating stuff there. And then there's some people who just think it's a big waste of money. You know, yeah. Some voices out there. It's a wild west. Everyone's trying to figure it out. Um, you know, going back to the company who wanted me to make this training, we did make this training and it was kind of about the fact that you need to, you know, you need to ask first to, to engage someone. Someone has to make the first move. Right. And they've landed there, you know, do engage them. And then the idea of having a bit of a chat strategy of escalating it to a one to one meeting. Right. right. To, and now you have that ability. The old platforms, you could only chat. And now to be able to actually go, okay, now let's make it into a, a Zoom meeting-esque kind of thing. Now at least you have this ability to develop a relationship, you know what I mean? And to, to create next steps and get them in the top of the sales funnel, right? So that's kind of um, the idea with that training is, is how can you be more engaging? And then if you get them in a one-to-one meeting, now all this virtual engagement stuff comes into play as well. So right. It's just fascinating to me that there's really, I think, a lot of opportunity there. And a lot of, uh, as you say, people are just, it's a wild west that a lot of people are, haven't got their heads around what really is going on. Some are way ahead of others. 
just like you know when when the internet exploded in the late 90s uh, some people were way ahead of the others and saw things coming that no one else did for a long time it's you know, like you say it's it's a familiar in that sense but a lot of people are just trying to figure out what do we do how do we do it how much is it going to cost what will it take to get there and i think it's interesting to to hear some of the things you're talking about with your clientele and, and as well as some of the other folks that I'm, I'm talking to about the the virtual space i guess one question i would ask would be you know trade shows will come back at some point live shows uh, do you have a sense of when that might be? Uh, that'll be my first question. Then I've got to follow up. <laughs> I, I mean, my my thing that I've, I've, I've said to other people too is that it's like everyone can say their their show is on until the week before, and then right. they can't. Right. So it's kind of like there's there's no real, um, you know, uh, no one knows in that sense. But what we're seeing and my colleagues are seeing is a lot of shows stacking up in June. So that's just kind of seems to be, you know, the companies who put these shows on for one do, you know, they have a great deal of responsibility um, to make sure no one gets sick at their events and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, they're not going to take that lightly when they plan to hold that event, you know, and then the other side of the other company. So uh, have to have to be willing to go as well. Right. So that's just kind of where we kind of see things, um, you know, uh, shows being moved back. Uh, to June or the ones that were already being held in June say they're on. So it, that's kind of what we're getting. It, it seems a little arbitrary because it's halfway through the year and I'm just hearing from people and I've seen surveys that yes, people are expecting the second half of the year, third quarter, maybe even fourth quarter next year that, that things will be back to quote unquote normal. Uh, although I don't think it'll be what we had, you know, a year ago. Uh, and I guess the other Part of the question I would ask you is now that a lot of people are learning and ramping up uh, on on the virtual events, virtual trade shows, virtual exhibits. You know, how will that play a part when live events return? Do you see that being a big part of that? Um, just what's your take I, I, on that? I think hybrid's here to stay, Tim. <clears throat> so in in the way that even before uh, COVID, we were seeing companies have you know, a, a portion, they were live streaming their keynotes. They were, right. you know, had that kind of virtual side of it already, um, which, which in some ways when you're already having a live in-person event, you are trying to, you know, it's easier because you're already holding it and then you're just going to shoot this off and stream it. Um, so now that everything's shifted over to virtual, um, from the companies I'm talking to, you know, hybrid is going to continue to be uh, a thing. And then it's, so it's almost like there's more to do now for, you know, marketing departments that they got a plan for both, you know, and there might, who knows in the future, there might be, um, you know, more of that digital marketing side of things, you know, taking over that, but working closely in touch with the, the trade show side of things. So again, my, my one client, they have me doing this stuff, their virtual booth, and it's their intention to still do the virtual booth stuff and the live in-person uh, piece uh, when that comes back. So um, in that sense, um, yeah, there's a, there'll be a lot, a lot of moving parts. Lot, lot. Yeah. And I'll, I'll leave us with this. I, I, I was at a, a, a zoom, a webinar of, of some sort yesterday. And one of the comments that has stuck in my mind, it was towards the end of it. Uh, one of the presenters said, uh, look at, at doing a virtual, you know, trade show booth as a journey, not a one-time event. Uh, something you can use time and time again and adjust and change things just like a trade show booth. An exhibit, you're going to change the graphics uh, every year or even more often, uh, depending on new products, new things. You're going to do the same with a virtual exhibit. So I think that you know, looking at it as a journey, as part of the journey, and, and you know, 
it'll also allow people uh, that can't go to the uh, show physically because of scheduling or whatever cost they can they can join on a virtual uh, basis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, I like that idea of the journey. It's like get the structure, get the 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 bones of it that you know that's going to be reused again and again and again, and then be able to swap out things to keep it fresh. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's the exact same thing. And the fact that there is scarcity built into that too, Tim, right? That these virtual booths, they only put them up for a, a short amount of time, right? right. And have people working them that are on, you know, standing by to ask, answer questions. So that live piece that it's scarce and in the moment makes people want to experience it. It makes yeah. people... And I think the other aspect we haven't really talked about, but uh, you know, it's, it's we can maybe leave that for a further conversation or just you know follow up on notes on our in the show notes is that there's got to be a lot of pre-show marketing that goes into that to to drive people to that to let people know you're going to do that, what they'll find there, and all that. That's obviously an aspect which is not really part of this conversation, but I think it's important to keep in mind uh, if you're doing that, then you got to make sure that you find a way to get people there. So, yeah, whether that's you know teaser videos, uh, you know, um, social media announcements, advertising, um, and then the other pieces, depending on the platform of this show, did they allow that external link? Because it might just be like, hey, check out our real booth here. Right. <laughs> Anders, always good to talk to you. I really appreciate your insight and your time. Thanks again. I, I appreciate it. We'll do this again sometime soon, and, and best of luck. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks again to Anders Boulanger of Engageify, links in the show notes to find him and his uh, great team. They do a good job on everything, social media, in-person presentations, training, it, it's all right there. going to wrap it up with uh, this week's One Good Thing. This came out on uh, John Lennon's birthday. It's uh, called Gimme Some Truth. It's a two-CD collection of a bunch of great John Lennon stuff from Instant Karma to Cold Turkey to Working Class Hero to... Uh, uh, mind games, out the blue, whatever gets you through the night, give peace a chance. Uh, it's it's they've they've remixed, remastered, whatever you want to call it. And I was listening to the mixes driving around in my car, and I've heard it. I've already heard this thing twice. Uh, as a John Lennon and Beatle fan, I'm I'm very impressed. Uh, there's some stuff comes through on these mixes which I haven't heard before, and believe me, I've heard this stuff forever. And I thought. This is worth it. This week's uh, one good thing, that and voting. Give me some truth at the ballot box. Have yourself a great week, and we'll catch it next time here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee.